You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Let's get our Bibles open to John chapter 14, okay? John chapter 14. And we continue in our series here on the Holy Spirit. This is week number three of our series on the Holy Spirit. Um, I got to say this, I've been caught off guard by how fired up you all are about the Holy Spirit and we're learning about him together. Um, I've had people who have been in the faith for decades come up to me and said, Rob, you've never been taught um, on the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Never been taught like this. And I'm like, wow, that is, that is so many people just as I'm coming in here tonight, actually just, Pastor, I'm so excited we're doing it. I'm so excited to be learning about the Holy Spirit. That excites me. Like that, that fires. I just feel like, you know, we're on something right now. Um, like, like, like obviously the, like God's Spirit has, has brought us to this place right now for reasons we don't fully know, and that's okay. Like, we're trying to be faithful to Him and faithful to His Word, but I just, I just, I just sense that like this is right. It's just right. Of course it's right, but it's awesome just to sense that by God's Spirit too, that He's doing stuff, you know, and so we get out of the way as much as possible, but we honor Him with all that we have and through what He's given us. Uh, his word. And then again, of course, the very presence, the Spirit of God Himself who lives within us. So week number one was, who is the Holy Spirit? Week number two was um, the Holy Spirit and regeneration. And I got to encourage you, uh, the Lord literally regenerated people last weekend um, as we taught on what it means to be born again. Lives were changed forever for the glory of Jesus Christ. And then this week now is the Holy Spirit, my helper. The Holy Spirit, my helper. And I'm really excited for this message too, one of the most fundamental passage or passages on the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Now as we turn to John 14, context is also um, always helpful. John 14 is Jesus teaching his disciples in the upper room. It is therefore, John 14 to 17 is rightly called the upper room discourse. This is literally hours before Jesus would be tortured would be uh, beaten, and he would, of course, be crucified and would die. So he's in the upper room, as we turn to John 14, with his disciples, and what he's doing is he's downloading for them, he's detailing to them precious and beautiful promises to these um, chosen few. Now, amazingly, when Jesus is hours from being crucified, you think that there was ever a time where he would be reaching out and say, hey, boys, boys, listen, I'm about to go through a very, very, very difficult time, and and I just need your help, okay? So you guys got to listen. And I'm going to need you to be with me. I'm going to need you not to fall asleep with me in the garden. I'm going to need you to pray for me. I'm going to need you to stand by me and to strengthen me. I'm really, really going to need you. Do you think if there's ever a time for him to do that, it would be now? Because he's about to go through the most difficult thing any human being has ever gone through. But what happens is, instead of Jesus asking his disciples for help, this is just our Savior, He's about to die, but now he promises that he's going to help them. He promises that as he heads to his death, he's going to give to them, to send to them the helper, who of course is the Holy Spirit. So what happens in this upper room discourse is Jesus provides the longest and most detailed discourse on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. So as a student of God's Word, just a little, little side tangent because we want to grow in our knowledge of the Word of God because then we grow in our knowledge of God. You can't love God unless you know God. We know God through His Word. 
So as a student of God's word, we always try to remember this. If someone asks you, where do you go in scripture to learn about the Holy Spirit? The most fundamental section would be John 14 through 16, okay? John 14, 15, and 16 provide some of the most fundamental passages on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. So let's remember that together where we are today, again, this weekend. Change your direction slightly. Let me ask you a couple of questions. A little survey, personal survey. Would you describe yourself as someone who is more dependent or independent? It's personality, kind of your style, the way you live. Are you more dependent or independent? Would you say that, which, which one of these words would describe you? Um, submissive or stubborn? <laughs> Most of us are probably in the latter, right? And by the way, not a time for elbows, although... Although, I don't know. We could probably all elbow one another, all right? Here's another one. Are you a kind of ask-for-help type of person, or are you like, I can do it myself kind of person? All the men are like, oh, man, I'm so, like, do it myself, right? right? Stubborn, prideful. It's amazing as we even ask these, these small questions, really what's within all this, too, the independence of ourselves, the self-reliance, the stubbornness. It's really the all-pervasive pride that seemingly lives in our lives in infinite ways. But I do that to do this. Okay, here's the thing, loved ones. If you are truly God's child, that means then whether you like it or not, know it or not, admit it or not, if you are truly God's child, that means you are 100% fully dependent upon God's Spirit. There's no independent children of God in terms of their reliance on the Holy Spirit. Now, there are stubborn children of God, right? But the Holy Spirit wants to show us, listen, you don't stand a chance without me. You need my help. And the theology behind our lives in Christ and with the Holy Spirit is, if I'm truly saved in Him, I cannot live my life apart from Him. Now, one of the great tragedies among the church today, listen carefully, this is so true, one of the biggest tragedies of the church, especially in this continent, is that there's so little need for the Holy Spirit. By the way we live, by the programs we rely on, by the what we teach or don't teach, by the prayers we pray or don't pray, one of the saddest signs of the church of our day today is that there's so little need for the Holy Spirit, which of course is theologically a disaster. If we are going to move forward as his church, as his people, as a family that wants to honor the Lord, there must be an obvious, again, no exceptions, loved ones, there must be an obvious growing dependence and desperation for the Holy Spirit for God to fill His church again by His Spirit. Again, no exceptions, no other options, none. If we're going to move forward truly, has to be of the Holy Spirit of God. There must be a growing desperation and dependence upon Him. The Acts of the Apostles, the, books of, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles is really rightly by every person who knows what's in the Acts, book of Acts, every commentator, every theologian, they will all agree really what the book of Acts is. It's not Acts of the Apostles, it's Acts of the Holy Spirit. So this past week I have taken a study to find every reference to the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. I commend that to you. It's a really neat way of studying the Bible, like freshen it up. 
And so it's so easy to do. You can get out your phone or whatever, internet, and just go to Bible Gateway, uh, click on ESV, well, that's the translation I use, ESV, and then just type in, you know, in quotations, Holy Spirit, and then instantly, in like one second, every reference in the book of Acts, and you can go through them with Bible open one by one. And I'm circling or underlining every reference to the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. It's such a blessing. You start to see just how the early church were, was nothing apart from the Holy Spirit of God. One of my favorite verses from this little study I'm doing, I'm not done yet, because I'm trying to take it slow, Acts 9, verses 31, it says the church was being built up. It says, and they were walking in the fear of the Lord. Listen, listen, listen. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. Beautiful. Okay, they were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort, we'll get to this in a second, what that means, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And as they did that, they grew, they multiplied, they were sanctified, they changed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ and more and more people were added to their number day by day. Awesome, awesome. Because they were so reliant upon the Holy Spirit of God. On the screen for you, here's what Charles Spurgeon says about this. He says, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing and as only Spurgeon can do, here comes all the metaphors, one after another. I try hard to find one. He just rolls off his tongue like he's some kind of angel. Not fair, not fair, all right? He says this, We are as ships without wind, chariots without steeds, like branches without sap, we are withered. That's good. Like coals without fire, we are useless. That's also good. See, I want to think of one of these, all right? It's all good. As an offering without the sacrificial flame, we are unaccepted. Wow. He says this, there are many things that are desirable for the church of Christ, but the one thing is absolutely needful, and this is the one thing, the power of the Holy Ghost in the midst of his people. Amen? Are we asking for him? Are we looking to him? Are we praying to him? By the way, just a, a little tangent, Holy Ghost. You're just like, why? why ghost? Ghost in ancient English was a variant of geist, and geist simply meant spirit. So Holy Ghost is just another way to describe Holy Spirit. And now as the English language changes, we have adopted, God's word has not changed, we now call him again who he is, the Holy Spirit of God. Loved ones, that is why this series is so important. Because without the Holy Spirit of God, we are done. So exciting, so life-changing. That is why we study John 14 today. Look at John 14, verse 15. We're learning about the Holy Spirit as our helper. Jesus says this, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. John 14, verses 15 to 17 become one of the more important statements on the Holy Spirit again in Scripture. Let's find out why we jump to our outline right now. We're learning about the person, the work, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit. Number one is this. The Holy Spirit, He is my helper. The Holy Spirit is my helper if I am regenerated by Him, saved in Christ. If I'm a new creation, the Holy Spirit is my helper. Again, verse 15, notice. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. 
So notice the first thing in our text here right now. Notice what Jesus is looking for in his disciples. Can you see it there in verse 15? The greatest thing Jesus is looking for from his disciples is that they love him. If you love me. What Jesus cares about most is our love for him. That's why it's the greatest commandment in scripture. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But notice in verse 15, how do we love Jesus? Don't look at me, look at the text, right? We love Jesus by obeying Jesus. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. So notice this love, once one of the greatest proofs that we actually love Christ is through our obedience. We don't obey to earn his favor. We obey in response to our love for him and what he's done for us on the cross and being raised from the dead that we have life. The gospel, when it's truly understood and ascertained, fuels us with a love that we've never known before for Jesus Christ. And because we love him so much, we want to obey him. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. But notice that verse 15 is setting up verse 16. So here's what Jesus understands perfectly. If we are to love him and we are to obey him, listen, 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 we need help from him. I'll say it again, that's so important. This is a gospel moment right now in terms of how we live the Christian life. If we are to love him, we must obey him, but that necessitates that we receive help from him. Because on our own, we can't love him. On our own, we can't obey him. With his Holy Spirit in us, everything changes. In the power of the gospel with regeneration and the Holy Spirit allowing us to be sanctified, everything changes. That's why Jesus adds the very first word in verse 16. Do you see? Do you see? He's like, if you love me, you'll obey me. Verse 16, first word, and, in almost every translation, and, and then notice what follows in verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So this to me is already massive. Uh, it's massive for God's will in our lives and it's massive for our sanctification. Jesus says, love me. Jesus says, obey me. And then Jesus says in verse 16, and you cannot do this without me. Bam. That's good theology. That's how we live the Christian life. This is how we become more like Jesus Christ. Verse 16, if I ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now here in verse 16, we are now introduced for the first time to the Holy Spirit as helper in Scripture. Helper in the Greek, this is an important word. I don't usually go into the Greek too often because it's not usually that uh, fruitful to do so and confuse whatever and get off but. I want you to know that the word for helper in the Greek is paraclete. Uh, from the Greek, parakletos. So paraclete, which literally means to come alongside someone or something. And we're going to get to that in a moment as well. But notice first here, Jesus doesn't promise a helper, a paraclete. Rather, he says, and the Father will give another helper, or another paraclete. Now, why is that significant? It's significant because Christians often recognize the Holy Spirit as the paraclete, as the helper. But what Scripture is telling us right here, which is so clear, because your Bible's open, so is mine, we're learning here, the Holy Spirit is another paraclete. Which means then, that there must have been 
one paraclete or another paraclete before the Holy Spirit. There must have been a paraclete prior to the Holy Spirit of God. And the only person who, of course, could be the paraclete before the Holy Spirit is Jesus himself. So Jesus then is the main, clearly the main paraclete. So what we're learning here then is when the Holy Spirit is given, he assumes the title of another helper. He's another paraclete, which means he fills in for Jesus. Jesus ascends to heaven, but Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give to you and send to you in my name in different places. He says that a helper, none other than the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit becomes the replacement for Jesus Christ on earth in terms of God's help and presence. Let's just pause there for a second, okay? The Holy Spirit is Jesus' replacement on earth to be our strength, our guide, our hope, our teacher, our comforter, our counselor, our advocate. So time out for a second. Are you relying on the Holy Spirit? You're like, well, sometimes, you know, when I feel like it, that makes you foolish. The Holy Spirit's everything. So just, just, again, take stock right now of your spiritual life. Are you relying on the Holy Spirit? Am I relying on the Holy Spirit? Because without Him, we can do nothing. He is the helper. He is the one who strengthens us. By the design of God, one God in three persons, He is sent to fill, to strengthen, to guide, to lead. So just imagine, again, try to live in the text, right? So they're the, the disciples, they're up there. This time Judas is gone. And they're up there and Jesus is referring to the fact He's going to leave them, okay? These poor, timid, tax collector, fisherman types that are sitting there and they're just weak and they have no idea what's going on and you're, you're leaving us, Jesus? when are you coming back? You know, kind of thing like, just imagine them trying to figure out how life is going to be lived without Jesus, who seemingly is control of everything because he's God on earth. And they start to get this kind of picture that he's saying he's going to leave them. Because Jesus, after all, he led his disciples, advised them, he taught them, he empowered them, he corrected them, he performed miracles around them. But the plan of Jesus, of course, is not to abandon them. His plan is to help them. In fact, his plan is to fill them. That's awesome, isn't it? We think about that. His plan is not just to help them. His plan is to fill them with what? With his very spirit. The spirit of God is the plan of Jesus to fill all those who love him. Again, so verse 18, look at verse 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come again. Now that refers to eschatology when Christ returns, his second coming, but it also refers we believe to Pentecost. He is predicting the sending of the Holy Spirit to fill the church once and for all. He will not leave them. He will fill them, okay? So now we turn specifically to the word helper or paraclete, and I want to unpack this beautiful term because it's life-changing. As I said, paraclete literally means one who is called alongside, paraclete, okay? So think of um, our words in our day. Paramedic, paramedic, paralegal, parachurch, paramedic, one who comes alongside to help those who are sick. A paralegal, one who comes alongside to give counsel. A parachurch, an organization who exists to come alongside the church and help. Paraclete. 
literally one who is called to come alongside and to strengthen. Uh, Pericles was sometimes used in the Greek legal system to describe an advocate or someone who would stand in defense of. What we learn from the English of the Greek word paraclete, no one word in the English can exhaust paraclete. So ESV has helper. NIV translates paraclete counselor. A New Living translates it advocate. A King James Version translates paraclete as comforter. How many grew up with Holy Spirit as comforter? How many? Comforter, comforter. A whole bunch of you did. Interestingly, let's say the Holy Spirit's comforter. Is that true? Yes, it is. Now, comfort in Old English, when you do the etymology of comfort, think of it. Calm, prefix, with. Fort is strength, forte. That's not my forte. Comfort, literally, and when it first came out, was with strength. Over time, the English changed its meaning to what we know now today. Comfort means to provide solace, to console someone. So over time, comforter Holy Spirit was not the right word to describe paraclete. So now the ESV has a good word now, helper. Helpers, good. Counselors, good. Advocates, good. Comforters, good. But not one word describes the whole thing of the Holy Spirit as what he is for our lives. Now notice, God's word didn't change. The English language changed. So the English language is adapting to try to keep defining properly the original meaning of the Greek word paraclete. But I think what we learn from comforter in the Old English is so fantastic. When you think of the Holy Spirit as helper, fundamentally, He helps us by strengthening us. Now, He strengthens us with wisdom. He strengthens us in our difficulty. He strengthens us with God's Word. He strengthens us by teaching us. He strengthens us by guiding us. But He strengthens us as our helper. The Holy Spirit is my helper. The one who comes alongside. And just, just picture that. We, you know, the best friends we have, when we need them most, they're not way ahead of us. They're not way behind us. They come right alongside of us. And often they put their arms right around us to let us know they are so here and for us and there to hold us up when we need them to. That's an imperfect but in some ways accurate picture of the Holy Spirit as helper in every area of our lives. You cannot live this life apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. This is why we must depend on Him and be desperate for Him. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite authors, um, he was, of course, a very powerful preacher. At the end of his ministry, he actually preached in a church in Toronto. And he did that for 10 or 15 years. And I got some recordings from this church. And you can probably find them online even now if you wanted to. But I listened to one of his sermons on the Holy Spirit a couple of years ago. And with his kind of, he had like a prophetic kind of wavering voice as he was aging. But it was just piercing and he cut right to it. He, he preached in the fear of God. He was not concerned about the fear of man at all. And he did have that laser that went out and got right to the issue. He was teaching on the Holy Spirit. And he started saying stuff like this. He says, the church is replacing the power of the Holy Spirit with social time. He says the church, he warned the church of relying on man-made substitutes as opposed to the true, pure power of God. He preached in 1960, he said, programs are gaining more attention than Jesus Christ in some churches. 
He said this, if the Holy Spirit is not the center attraction, then Jesus Christ is not at the center as Lord, and you will fall into the trap of tricking people into coming to church by luring them with human methods. Now, how prophetic was that in light of the last 25 years of the church? And he said this in 1960. Then he said this, and they'll put it on the screen for you. I want you to see this. And he said this, the greatest tragedy is that the Holy Spirit will not go where he is not invited. Just let that sink in. Your home, your family, your workplace, your neighborhood, your church, your life. The Holy Spirit will not go where he's not invited and many churches are seeking to operate completely apart from the only one who can truly strengthen them. Remember the reason the Holy Spirit is given is to strengthen us for the battle called the Christian life. If you neglect or ignore your source of strength, you neglect and ignore any real chance of victory as believers in Jesus Christ. Loved ones, that's why this series is so important. I'm telling you, the power of a man, I'll take a man who's a husband or a father, I do that because there's a significant mantle of leadership entrusted to men in God's word, in the care and the gentleness and the love, but the strength of leadership over uh, wives and children for a man to stand and in the dependence of the Holy Spirit to declare holding hands with family, speaking over family and says, Holy Spirit, we are desperate for you. I like the chances of that man. I like the chances of what's going to be seen in that family as there's a genuine, intentional desire to say openly, I can't do this. Holy Spirit of God, fill my life. Fill my marriage. Fill my home. Fill my leadership. Holy Spirit of God, would you fill me so that I know it's your strength and your power and the glory of Jesus Christ that will be seen as I become less, but you become more. You give me men who will lead in that leadership and in that humility, and you let me see how loved their wives feel, how blessed their children seem to be, because they are men operating in the power and the strength of the one who can do all things. That is what is needed. Oh, if that could be seen in our day. The simplicity of depending as opposed to the stubborn pursuit and resolve of independent living that will only end up in fleshly thinking and fruitfulness. But the one who depends. But a month ago, my wife and I struggling with one of our children who will remain unnamed again. <laughs> but you know, we were frustrated and honestly stressed a bit and saying, what's happening right now? And I felt the Lord saying to me, it's not a voice, it's the, led by the word of God. It's the Holy Spirit saying, Robbie, have you prayed with your wife about this? Specifically about this situation right now? Mm, you should go do that. Right now, Lord? Right now. Walk downstairs, 
explain what I believe is the right thing to do to my wife, Jill. I remember leaning on the kitchen counter and beginning to pray for our one particular child. And do you know what happened to me? The moment I began to pray, I instantly felt the supporting presence and power and glory of the Holy Spirit to the point that tears were running down my cheeks, filled with faith in the moment of depending upon the one who can create and make change, fully recognizing I cannot. I get up from that time of prayer with my wife, and I said to her something like, I'm so dumb. Why does it take me so long sometimes to do what I know is so right? Now, every day I fail, but every day the Lord calls me back to trust in Him, to pray to Him, to depend on Him. How many elder meetings have we been in in this church of the course of almost 13 years now where the same acknowledgement and you're praying and the Holy Spirit floods the room? How many prayer meetings over the course of this church's life and history have we gathered together with tears filling our eyes and calling out for the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and His presence fills the room and fills our lives with faith to again persevere for another day. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is my helper. But He needs to be acknowledged and told of how much we need His help. You know, some of us, we hear some of what I'm saying and you will resonate with my failure and you might call yourself a lousy leader. You might call yourself a lousy follower. You say, I'm a failure. Listen, one of the biggest turning points of this is the reason you and I are failing is because we're trying too hard. Here's a good phrase. Stop trying, start relying. Stop trying, men and women, and start, hey, parents, you, you're so concerned about the kids. When have you really interceded for them together? You're so worried about the future. Stop trying, start relying. I mean, it's, it's not that complicated. We know the stats of the actual prayer-filled lives of the church. We know, we know the levels of dependence that actually happen or don't happen when it comes to the Holy Spirit. When your theology is right, man, the prayers start to be lit up. When the theology is right... You stop trying to do so much and you start relying on the only one who can really create fruit within our lives. Look at verse 16, John 14. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, another helper to be with you forever. Notice that. The Holy Spirit's never withdrawn, ever, which means he's available at this very second right now for all those who are saved in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is my helper. Number two. The Holy Spirit is my spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, Jesus says, Even the spirit of truth, love it, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, Jesus says. You know what happens here? John here places the first title that we have attributed to the Holy Spirit. First official title. And he's the spirit of truth. 
Isn't it so interesting that in John's gospel, what becomes very clear and very fast, Jesus Christ is the definition of truth. This is climaxed in John's gospel when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the truth. So the one who is to replace Jesus Christ must be 100% an agent of truth. Enter the Holy Spirit. Enter the Spirit of truth. I want to do a little biblical theology now, the spirit of truth, just in the upper room discourse. So just in John chapters 14 through 16 in this case. Okay, These will be on the screen for you as well. Let's learn how much the Holy Spirit loves truth. Here's what we learn from the Gospel of John on the spirit of truth. Number one, the Holy Spirit, He is the teacher. He is the teacher of truth. Look at John 14, verse 26. That says 25. It should say 26. Look at John 14, verse 26. Jesus says this, okay? But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit is the one who filled and empowered the apostles to teach the truth of Christ. Think about it too. It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to have the Word of God at all. It was the Holy Spirit who inspired the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit who now illumines the Word of God to us. The Holy Spirit, loved ones, He loves the truth. He's the teacher of truth. Secondly, the Holy Spirit bears witness to the truth. Look at John 15 now, verse 26. John 15, verse 26. Jesus says this, But the Helper, or when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me. Notice how much the Holy Spirit loves to point to Jesus, to speak of Jesus, who of course is the truth. So notice this and please listen. Wherever the Holy Spirit is truly at work, Jesus Christ is at the center. Okay? He is sent as the Spirit of truth, Jesus says, to bear witness about me. If you come across a movement in Christendom where man is getting the most attention, that's a strong indicator the Holy Spirit's not in it. When man is elevated... As the one receiving the glory and the praise, and Jesus Christ seems to be kind of off to the side, that's a very, very good indicator that the Lord's not in that. Because it can never be about a man. It has to be about, well, the man, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit shining the light upon the Lord Jesus Christ as well. The Holy Spirit, as the Spirit of truth, bears witness about Jesus Christ. So here we go again. Then the Holy Spirit is, as we learned two weeks ago, the Christological floodlight. Here's a diagram of this. Or here's a picture, okay? The Christological floodlight. The Holy Spirit seeks to shine light upon Jesus. That's, that's his role. That's what he wants to do. He bears witness. He shines upon Jesus Christ. We love him. We adore him. We revere him. He shines the light upon you. He's sent to bear witness about Jesus Christ. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit convicts with truth. Uh, Turn to John 16. John 16, verse 7. Make sure I don't do the work for you, okay? John, Let's work together. John 16, verse 7. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Awesome. It is to your advantage that I go away. 
If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Now, why is that true? Because if Jesus stays on earth, Jesus in his human form is only at one place at one time. Jesus goes, ascends, he sends his Holy Spirit. Now what happens? The Holy Spirit lives in every single person born again in Jesus Christ. This is why he says, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. Verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. One of the foremost roles of the Holy Spirit in our world. Notice, notice, not convicting believers here, convicting the world. He is sent as the spirit of truth to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, bringing people to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then fourthly, the Holy Spirit, he guides into all truth. John 16, verse 13. Verse 13 now. Jesus says, when the spirit of truth, here it is again, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own authority. He will speak on mine. He will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me. So notice in verse 13, the spirit of truth guides them into truth. Loved ones, the Holy Spirit loves truth. He loves truth. This is why, man, how excited do you think the Holy Spirit gets when we open God's truth together as a church? Probably like a kid at Christmas, you know? He's just so fired up. When, imagine when the church that closes God's word and talks about the things of man. How sad he is. Think about how excited the Holy Spirit gets when you wake up each morning and you open God's word and seek him and seek the Lord Jesus Christ. He's pretty excited, man. He's, he's rubbing his hands. He can't wait. He's anticipating this. That's so awesome. This is why Warren Wiersbe said this. He says, the spirit of truth uses the word of truth to guide us into the will and work of of God. The spirit of truth uses the word of truth to guide us into the will of God and the work of God. What I want you to see here, okay? The Holy Spirit is my spirit of truth. Notice how inseparable the Holy Spirit of God is from the word of God. They're, they're, they're inseparable. You find the one, you find the other. The spirit of truth, like even in this message right now, we are in the Word of God, learning about the Spirit of God that is pointing us back to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is ultimately Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So the Bible wants to highlight Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit wants to highlight Jesus Christ, but we're in God's Word, by God's Spirit, back to God's Word to love Jesus Christ. Awesome. The Holy Spirit loves the truth. If you are led by God's Spirit, you will also love the truth. If Holy Spirit is leading you and filling you, he will be leading you to the truth, to the word, which leads to the word of God, John 1, Jesus Christ. The word of God and the spirit of God are inseparable. It's beautiful. The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Holy Spirit is my spirit of truth. Thirdly and lastly, the Holy Spirit, he is my closest companion. If you turn back to John 14, verse 17, notice the end of verse 17. Jesus says to his disciples in the upper room just before he dies, he says, you know him, the Holy Spirit, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Notice three things about the Holy Spirit relating to those saved in Jesus Christ in verse 17 at the end. Notice, the Holy Spirit, you know him, you will have the Holy Spirit with you, and the Holy Spirit will be in you. Now tell me, 
Is there any greater intimacy, any greater friend, any greater companion as this? No human relationship comes close. No human relationship can even come close to someone you know who is with you at all times forever and actually dwells in you. This is the Holy Spirit in the life of those saved in Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, I'm thankful for all the strong marriages in this room right now. If you have a strong marriage, grace of God, praise the Lord. But just remember, the only reason your marriage is strong is because the Holy Spirit has made it so. You don't have a loving relationship apart from the Spirit of God in you, at least for the glory of Jesus Christ. He gets the credit. Notice, here's some theology of the Holy Spirit, who He is in our lives as our closest companion. He is my helper. We know that now. He is my power. Acts 1.8. You shall receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He is my prayer partner. Did you know that? Romans 8, he prays for us. He helps us to intercede with groans that words cannot express. He aids us in prayer. He is my assurance, meaning I know I'm adopted as the Son of God because the Holy Spirit assures me of that. That's a pretty close companion. He's my guarantee of my redemption, Ephesians 1. He has sealed me through his Spirit, guaranteeing that I will be redeemed. That's a pretty good friend. He is my proof of belonging to Jesus Christ. This will be up on the, the website for you this week if you want to get it and use it as a quiet time this week. Awesome. Do it. You can look up all the verses and make sure that I'm not making this stuff up. Okay? He is my life. The Holy Spirit is my life. Actually, Pastor Greg read that in his offering prayer tonight, which is awesome. Next slide. He is my wisdom, 1 Corinthians 2. He is my freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He is my sanctifier. 2 Corinthians 3.18, one degree of glory to another, this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, yes. He is my peace. He is my joy. Now, this is really important, okay? The Holy Spirit's, man, think, you need to think about this. Our joy is not found outside of us. We are always trying to find our joy outside of us. You will never find joy outside of you. That's why the persecuted Christian locked in a prison cell in the worst state ever known to man is overwhelmed and overcome by a supernatural joy that almost brings it to heaven himself. How is that possible? Because true joy is found inside of us, meaning the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Don't seek joy outside. It will never work. Every week I'm so disappointed by the joy I think I'm going to get by what the world offers. And every time I'm like, oh, oh. But when the Holy Spirit fills us, he's our loved ones. All the joy you've ever wanted and need, if you're saved in Jesus Christ, lives within you. You seek him, you love him, you submit to him, and you will find joy in him. He is my hope, Romans 15. He is my fellowship. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. He, he's my closest companion. Amen? Again, again, no offense to your BFF. New, new BFF right now, okay? <laughs> new best friend, man. New closest companion is the Holy Spirit of God. So let's end here right now, okay? Let's end here. Consider this. All this is true because of him. We cannot live this life apart from him. 
We've been very spiritual in this message. Let's just end quickly with being very practical, okay? Let's get very practical. What do I do from here? First thing you do from here is this. Recognize the Holy Spirit in your life. Francis Chan wrote a book, The Forgotten God, about the Holy Spirit. He highlighted something that's true upon the church today. It's almost like we've forgotten that there is three persons, not just two. Recognize Him. Invite Him. Talk to Him. Ask Him. Worship Him. Love Him. Expect Him. Recognize Him in your life. I know across this room right now, there's a whole section of us that have never done this. We don't live our lives with an expectation and an acknowledgement that there is a Holy Spirit being the person. Start, recognize Him. Secondly, rely on Him. Beg God for His presence, His leading, His teaching, His wisdom. Thirdly, revere Him. Is it right to worship the Holy Spirit? Let me ask you this. Is it right to worship God? Well, the Holy Spirit's God. There's your answer. Yes, it is right and good to revere and worship one God and three persons. Now, the Holy Spirit uses us and to shine the light on Jesus Christ, but it's so good to worship God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit for His glory. This week, man, put this into action. Lastly, and this Get ready for him. Get ready for him to show up. So this, this, this past week, I've been, I've been thinking about him a lot, understandably. And I'm in this meeting with pastors and stuff, and I'm just, I'm coming in. I'm coming in with Acts 9.31 and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied, and I, thought, I start to pray. And just believing this, and the Spirit of God comes in. And the Spirit of God empowers the prayer. And all of a sudden, it's not you. It's Him. I can't control where the wind blows. I can't base my life on a feeling. But I can try to be as faithful as I can to what He's asked me to do by His strength and for His glory. And I am promised that He will be there for me every moment of my life. And you are promised the same. Loved ones, if we as a church start to live in the presence and the power in the person of the Holy Spirit, things are changing. Things are changing. Lives are changing. Marriages are changing. Homes are changing. Friends are changing. Work is changing. Church is changing. It's changing. If we live in Him and for Him and by Him, guaranteed things are changing. We've got to want it. We've got to want him. We've got to want him. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads. Again, loved ones, not a game we're playing right now. I mean, who here is needy? Who here is tired of their stubbornness and self-reliance. Who here is so tired of their own performance 
which really leads to nothing of any true eternal fruitfulness. Who here is just so fatigued with striving in their own strength? Who here knows they have neglected the Spirit of God Himself? Who here needs to be renewed again in Him? How do we do that? We just went through it. Recognize Him, even now. Recognize Him. Love Him. Invite Him. Ask Him. The Scripture says, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Rely on Him. He's the one who teaches. He's the one who fills. He's the one who brings to remembrance what Jesus has said. He's the one who guides us into truth. He's the one who strengthens us as our paraclete. He's the one. There's no one else. There's no one else. No human thought, no human person, no, no, no human philosophy. All of that is garbage. The Holy Spirit is the one. And he wants to change your life even now. Who is here? Who needs him?